Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. And, and we'll just keep showing up. Having said that, we have had two weeks off this service, um, but we'll, we'll be here for the rest of the year. And uh, what we've got happening here is that last time um, we talked about Jacob and Esau. That was really the focus um, just before Christmas. Um, two twins were born to the patriarchs in this book of Genesis. Uh, I'm just giving a little bit of background. Don't worry. Don't be too concerned if you have no idea of the names that I'm talking about. There'll still be principles that you can take home and live, um, particularly in Andrew's um, section. But um, there were two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And what happened was that Jacob, the younger of the twins, stole the birthright, which was the inheritance. Um, has anyone ever had an argument over the will or seen an argument over a parent's will? The worst, right? Awful, awful stuff. Like it just, it gets nasty. Um, well, Jacob actually tricked his brother out of his inheritance and then goes further and tricks his brother out of the blessing of the father. And so, it, it, you know, if you were friends with Jacob, you, you're asking him some tough questions at this point in time saying, mate, what are you doing? And then Jacob goes and has to flee his family and gets um, at a place called Bethel, uh, has a dream, wrestles with God himself. I love that. I love that we get to wrestle with God. God's okay with our wrestle. And then he says, surely God was in this place. I never even knew it, hence the term Bethel, and, uh, and calls it Bethel. And so then he keeps going. Now we take up the story in chapter 29, and, um, and it says that Jacob continued on his journey, and then he gets to a well uh, and, and, and meets some people there. Now what I love about this is I'm going to talk about proclivities this morning. Can you say proclivity? Does anyone know what proclivity means? Okay, proclivity means your tendency, but it's a bit more than tendency. So Woz has a tendency to eat during church. Woz has a tendency to eat wherever he is because he's usually just done a 42-kilometre run um, somewhere. Um, anyone else like Woz? No, no one else is like Woz. <laughs> but, um, um, our proclivity, our tendency to uh, do something, but proclivity is a bit more like it's in our nature. Um, I might have a tendency to overshare, people know that, uh, but I wouldn't say that that's necessarily in my nature, like that's more of a choice. A proclivity is in your nature. And so the first proclivity that we're going to look at is God's proclivity to bring guidance even in the wilderness. So here's Jacob going through one of the toughest times of his life and God guides him even in the wilderness to a place where he will be accepted and loved. He guides him to a place where he is with his relatives. And uh, at the well, um, he asks questions and, and he finds out that actually these are people that are his people. Now, now, why this is so important is Jacob's just left behind his family in total turmoil. He doesn't know when he'll be accepted back. And so for God to guide him to a place where he's with his family... What a blessing. What a, what a gracious God to do that. And so let's not forget that this is all Jacob's own doing that has caused him to be in the wilderness. And God, even in the midst of that, guides him to take care of him. I think that that should be a comfort to us this morning, that even in the midst of when we get it wrong and we're suffering the consequence of getting it wrong, that God won't take his hand off our life. He'll still guide us to a place where we'll be looked after. So what happens is, is that he gets to his relative's place and he actually um, falls in love with a relative <laughs> who hasn't been there before. 
actually, actually, I did want to marry my cousin Ben for a while, but I was eight. Jacob was not. Um, but obviously, back then and even now, um, it's it's regular for um, people to marry their relatives, uh, not in the chapel. Blue Cross, it was definitely a thing, but not in the chapel. Um, so, um, so Jacob. Um, it gets there, and, and this is the only passage that we're going to read. I'm kind of just working through the major events, but we're going to read what happens next because many of you might know this story. It says, after Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, this is his um, relative, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Remember that Jacob had no choice. He, he, he had nothing else to go to, so he was working for his relative for a month. And he says, tell me what your wages should be. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, um, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Who knows that that's not a recipe for sisterly affection when one gets described as having weak eyes and the other is lovely in form and beautiful. Must be nice, Rachel. Jacob was in love with Rachel, oh, shocker, and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. Stay here with me. Some other man that's not related. <laughs> um, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her and all the women went ah. and all the men went ziff <laughs> then Jacob said to Laban give me my wife my time has is completed and I want to lie with her um, so Jacob brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast but when evening came he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob and Jacob lay with her now clearly Jacob had imbibed a fair bit of drink like you don't just let's just be honest um okay and Laban gave his ser servant girl Zilpah his to his daughter as her maidservant when morning came there was Leah <laughs> imagine that wake up um that would have been a big surprise so Jacob said to Laban what is this that you have done to me now I just want us to think of Leah for a moment here okay one, you've been described as having weak eyes while you do, your sister is lovely in form and beautiful. Secondly, a man works for seven years. Let's not forget Leah's single that whole time while Jacob, as it goes like a day, is working for Rachel. And then her father concocts a plot, Leah, we're going to trick Jacob. Now, Leah clearly is so desperate to be loved and to have that assurance and security that she goes along with this plan, not that she would have had a choice in this day and age anyway with her father's plan. But... The reaction to her in the morning is for Jacob to say, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Now that is the pot calling the kettle with Jacob saying, why have you deceived me? As we read in the last few weeks, Jacob replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. Now I've read this story many times. I grew up reading this story. I thought that he had to work another seven years before he got Rachel. No, he got her in lieu of another seven, seven years, 700 years, wow, seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah. I just, I'm devastated for Leah. And then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. Laban gave his servant girl, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as her maidservant. Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he worked for Laban for another seven years. 
Uh, devastating story. Um, it goes on and says that um, Leah is able to have children. Uh, so Leah has, becomes pregnant, gives birth to a son and calls him Reuben. And it says, for he has seen my misery. So Leah is already giving God glory uh, for the state that she's in, but saying, God, you've seen my misery and you're looking after me even so. And, and what she says is a devastating statement. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again later on and it says that she called him Simeon and Simeon means one who hears. I would be familiar with this because um, Hagar called her son Ishmael, uh, which is um, God who hears. So these are all versions and Samuel is also God who hears. Simeon is God who hears. It's because it sounds like the Hebrew word Shema, which means to hear and obey. Um, and so Ishmael, Shamuel, um, Simeon is all uh, versions of that, God who hears. And she's saying, God, you hear me. She has a third son, calls him Levi. And it says um, that it sounds like the word attached because she says, surely my husband will be attached to me. So she's given up on the love. but She says, surely he'll at least be attached to me now that I've given him a son. And, uh, and then she has a final son and calls him Judah. Judah means praise. So at that point, she's given up on her husband and she's turned her direction and her focus to God. She said, okay, that's not going to work out. I'm going to put my focus where it should have been all along. And I just want to encourage us with that this morning, not that, that we can expect everybody to let us down, but in some way, shape or form, because they're human, our expectation on them might be too much. Our expectation and, and it, that for them to deliver our happiness, they're incapable because they're human. Let's turn it and face it to God and let's give him praise again. I love that at the outset of today that Sophie kicked us off with praise, that that was the first thing that we did. Okay, restrictions are back in. <sighs> Let's praise. <laughs> That's the first thing that we can do. So Leah has focused her attention to praise. Um, Rachel, meanwhile, is getting absolutely incensed. She is horrified. She is she's mortified that, that Leah, her sister, can have sons and she can't. She gets cranky at Jacob and says, give me a son. And Jacob says, am I God? Can I give you a son? I don't think that that's possible. And so then Rachel does something that if you've been here in previous weeks uh, is ridiculous. If you haven't, it won't mean much to you, but she gives her her servant, gives him her servant to sleep with her and to have children. Now, if you've been here, this is deja vu to the max. We've seen this happen. We've seen this happen with Abraham and, and the, the trouble that it brought upon the household. But, but she does it. And so then she gets a son out of that. Leah is like, well, I've got a maidservant. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, lose the competition that quickly. Gives her maidservant to Jacob and has another son. And on it goes. And they keep going. And um, she named one of them Asher, um, which just is meaningful for some people. Rachel says to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. That's a strange request, but mandrakes were thought to be um, fertility um, helping vegetables. If you've ever struggled with fertility, you know you'll try anything. And, uh, and Leah says, this is a funny statement, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? I just like that. Um, okay, and so then they continue and they keep having the son battle, uh, but on it goes. And eventually Rachel gets a son and we'll hear about him in coming weeks. Um, so what happens then is that there's fighting and, and, and Jacob uh, says, you know, can I have all the speckled animals? Can I have all the because the speckled animals were seen as unclean, impure. And he says, can I take those and build herds with those? And Jacob said, uh, Laban, his relative, says, yeah, sure, you can do that. So what he does is he takes all the speckled animals 
and puts three days journey between the speckled animals and the ones that Jacob is going to breed. Um, so he's basically cutting down any chance that Jacob can have to build wealth. So Jacob puts, and this is a really strange thing, Jacob gets some branches that are spotted and speckled and puts them in front of where the animals mate. Now, I don't know how he knew where the animals would mate, if they had like a special secret spot or whatever, but I figure they just go wherever they want to, but, um, but they, he put them in the special spot where they mated. Now, this is very strange to us because we're like, no, what? Like what you look at, um, you reproduce. Now, I would say spiritually, 100%. Whatever you look at, you reproduce. But naturally, like does that, how does that work? Let's just remember that we're in a superstitious time here. And this is the tricky thing that happens with the Bible, right? There are those and many modern scholars and people across the Enlightenment era and everything else that completely played down the God factor of the Word of God. They took out the divinity of the Word of God. They were like, it's written by man and it's written for a certain time and it's no longer relevant to us. And so we need to just treat it as a book and that's all. And then there are those that completely counter and take out completely the human element of the Word of God. I would say that I would be in the second camp for the majority of my life. I never gave thought to the people that wrote the Word of God. If you had have asked me who wrote the Bible, I'd say God. And you'd be like, yeah, 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 but who, who penned the words? And I'd be like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, I probably thought that they just went into a trance and, and, that, and that God just spoke through the pen. That's would have been what I thought. I can hear people laughing and uh, I'm embarrassed. Okay. Um, but that's really what I, I never gave it any thought until I did Bible college and you do things like source criticism. And, and, and you know, there are people that totally overdo that. And, and like I said, they take out the God element. But there is humanity element in this. And I think it's particularly important as we read the Old Testament. There are Christians that I know that read the Old Testament and go, I don't understand that, wipe it, go to the New Testament and miss out on the story and the meta-narrative that's happening here, forgetting that, okay, there's man, there's humanity elements in here, but God adds his power to it. God adds his, his breath to it, is the breath of God, the inspired word of God. And, um, and so we can look at it and go, oh, well, that's a superstitious element of man. That's their understanding of God at the time. Segue, I mean... Rabbit hole, done, and we're coming back now to chapter 31. Um, so what happens, though, is in verse 9 is that, and this will come up on the screen, what Jacob realises, it says, So God has taken me away from your father's flock and has given them to me. Sorry, God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In the breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with a flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob... I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled and spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I'm the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you once made a vow to me. Now leave this land and go back to your native land. So essentially, God did this. God provided for Jacob many, many speckled animals and built wealth in that way. So number two, our proclivity is to try and help God, isn't it? Anyone else do that? God clearly was the one who did this, but Jacob got out the speckled branches, put it in front of where they made it because he wanted to try and help God. Our proclivity is to try and help God. And then um, chapter 31, 31 is where he flees Laban because they've fallen out. And uh, Rachel, what happens is that Rachel, the wife, she steals the household gods. So there's a proclivity for us 
to stick to what we know. She's going with her husband to worship a new God, to change her whole life, but she takes her household gods with her. And I just want to point out to us that sometimes we do exactly the same. We say, yes, God, I'll follow you, but I'm going to keep my ways over here because they're comfortable to me. Yes, God, I'll worship you, but I'm going to keep worshiping this because that's familiar to me and I'm comfortable with that. So our proclivity is to stick to what we know. What happens is that Laban chases them down. He talks to them about it and it ends up being healing in chapter 31 between Jacob and Laban. They build an altar to the Lord and they make a treaty in the way that they move forward. So again, God's proclivity is to work all things together for good. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to um, just pause for a moment, chat around our tables about something that maybe occurred to you from that passage, something that you're like, I have, like, does anyone understand what was going on here? Um, Maybe it's about marrying relatives or mandrakes or um, the word of God being breathed. Um, And um, then also um, something that you can take away and live up on the screen there for you.
All right. Well, um, I'd like to interrupt your intelligent conversations and, uh, and we'll continue. Let's hope that I can... Uh, let's hope I can convey some intelligence throughout this next section as well. I don't have the proclivity <laughs> to always do that. Um, but anyway, so, how to marry your cousin. No, <laughs> kidding, 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 kidding. Jacob's exile story. Anyway, um, I, uh, I, I've been thinking about marriage a lot this last probably fortnight. Um, because have been preparing for this message, but also Phoebe and I got away kid-free for a week this week to celebrate 10 years of being married. So that was really cool. So I've had a lot of thinking time to think about everything, which has been amazing. Um, so I'm feeling very refreshed, full of intelligent thoughts, and we'll see how we go there. Um, but anyway, well, there's, I'm not going to make this into a, a talk on marriage. We're going to touch on that. Um, knowing full well that not everyone in this room is married, um, but I'm going to take some learnings out of the Jacob story and uh, the Rachel story and the Leah story and my own story, and hopefully we get something out of it this morning. So we're, we're going to talk about past, present, future and how God kind of passes over our past and then he pivots our present so that he can deliver on the promises in our future, yeah? And so we're in our first 8.30 service for 2022. We've all had time to reflect, time to think about the year that's been or the two years that's been, if you feel like the last two years have just basically moulded into one. Um, but we, we start a new year with hope, yeah? And even though we're in restrictions already, um, we still think that we're going to get back to some semblance of normal um, sometime this year. But anyway, been married 10 years. I'm so glad that those, um, those social uh, requirements to marry the eldest daughter first were really um, thrown out of the way sometime historically. I married the youngest of three girls. Um, and so 10 years ago, when we were getting in the car from our wedding, I made sure that the girl in the white dress was the youngest one that I was in love with. Love my sisters-in-law dearly. They're fantastic. I think they love me. Pretty sure they do. But I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't have been liked to be shoved in the car after the reception by my father-in-law, David Moore. Uh, <laughs> um, he was quite happy to marry off one of them, I think, um, at that time. And, but anyway, anyway, we'll have a bit of fun. Um, so we, 10 years of marriage... I, I think I was so young, like I was 24, Phoebe was 23. I didn't really have a, I wasn't old enough to make too many mistakes, even though I gave it a real red hot go at that stage. Um, but from, from, what, from what I've learned in that time and um, beforehand, afterhand and for our future is that Phoebe and I took on each other. Um, we kind of knew each other. Each other had a reputation socially, good, bad, whatever. Um, but we were unformed as adults, uh, largely, um, starting out careers and whatnot. So she took on my past. She agreed that she would take on my past, good, bad, indifferent. And then at the altar on that day, she decided to become my present. Yeah, so she took on, she took on who I was. We formed a new life together. Uh, we moved in 
and we consummated our marriage um, from that point on and we became one flesh, biblically. So just move on because my parents-in-law are in the room. Um, but at that point, she, she promised to love me into my future, whatever that might be. And that was the majority of my life. Let's hope that's 50, 60, 70 years, whatever that may be. Who knows? But we pray for a long time there. And I pray that for your relationships and marriages too. But she decided to, to make me better. She stood there in front of a couple of hundred people in a church and proclaimed, along with me, um, but I didn't have to do a lot of work to make her better. Um, she decided to make me better. She thought, okay, future is going to come. I don't know what kind of man he's going to be, so I'm going to journey with him. I'm going to encourage him. I'm going to believe in the best, and I'm going to speak that into his life. Yeah, and that's exactly what God does in our lives forevermore. He passes over our past. He knows what happened. He, he understands whatever good, whatever bad it may be, and then he pivots with our present. He takes us wherever we need to go because he wants to deliver on his promises for our future. Yeah, and so I did the same for her. She did the same for me. We continue to do so. Um, and that's the story of Genesis. You know, Genesis has so many promises. Let's call them covenants. Let's call them oracles. Let's call them conversations that God has, dreams, whatever it might be, where God comes in and says, I'm going to love you, Abraham, even though you have done such bad things. I'm going to love you, Noah, even though you've done such bad things. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, I'm going to love you. I'm going to promise that there is going to be a line, a lineage, a holy, a holy purpose for your life. And no matter what happens, I'm going to still love you, still pursue you. You are my people. And that's exactly what God is speaking to us now in Tamworth in 2022. He loves us. He wants us. He wants the best for us. And he wants to deliver on his promises if we receive it. Yeah. So... Um, number one, point number one, and I've mentioned it already, God will pass over our past. He uses sinful people. Um, we, we see that Jacob was missed the mark a lot, hey? So to start off with, he steals the blessing of Isaac upon Esau's life. He's very deceitful. Um, and then when he goes through the whole process of painting the herd, the livestock, with um, sap, he's, it's, I, would, I call that spiteful embezzlement. He had, to work for his, he had to work for his wives and he thought, hang on, I haven't, I haven't been paid enough here. I haven't got what I deserve. I'm going to take some of Laban's herd. So it was spiteful embezzlement. Adultery, that's another thing on his rap sheet, yeah? So, you know, um, having multiple wives and having maid servants and not being faithful to the ones that uh, he, he loves. So it's quite the rap sheet. What I love about Jacob is that he was also tenacious. And that's actually quite a good quality if you make it um, for God's purposes. So he was tenacious. He always wanted God's blessing. He always wanted the best. He always wanted the most. You know, he wanted, a, a, he wanted God's blessing that Esau had. He wanted the most beautiful girl that he'd ever met. He wanted a huge livestock and a big family because he believed that God wanted to bless him far beyond what he could fathom, yeah? And that's what our holy scriptures, the word of God, breathed, inspired, promises us, that we get 
blessings beyond what we can measure, beyond what we can fathom, if we are true and we are honourable and we are faithful. No matter what happens in the past, no matter how we stuff up, no matter what opportunities we miss out on, we can still grab the blessing of God beyond further than what we can fathom. Um, God pursues us and the church no matter how much we stuff up. Romans 9, 11 to 12 says, Before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls. Jacob knew that he was called. Jacob knew that God had his hand on his life and he held on to that. He was a big picture kind of guy. And I I love that coincidentally we're talking about big picture. We're talking about Jacob being a big thinker on the first Sunday back for the 8.30 service in 2022 where we're thinking about big, big things for this year where we pivot and we think, okay, I want to do this in my life. I want, to, I want to increase my net wealth. I want to get closer to God. I want to get healthy. I want to restore that relationship. I want to build my marriage. I want to do whatever it might be that you've thought this year is the year for this. Submit it to God and God will hear you and God actually wants to bless you beyond what you can fathom. Do you really believe that? Like, Do you believe that God actually wants the best and the biggest far beyond what you think? Yeah? Yeah? Has anyone ever experienced that? Show of hands. That you've prayed for something, you got it, and you were like, wow, God, how amazing is that? I, that's more than what I prayed for. And you just feel this sense of, of, uh, of love, of blessing. Um, but I don't know if you're feeling the other way, with you dragging yourself into 2022, thinking about failure, thinking about hard circumstances, thinking about fears, thinking about wasted opportunities, habitual sin, it might, maybe. Or might, maybe there might be a bit of doubt. Maybe there might be a bit of anxiety around COVID. Maybe it might be the finances aren't as healthy. Um, maybe you're thinking, gee, I wish I'd done this in my life. Well, we, we're going to have prayer time after my... after. Um, after the service and I really encourage everyone to come and receive prayer so that we can um, submit all these past uh, lost opportunities, sins, whatever it might be and so that God can pivot into our um, future. So what I love about Jacob is that he's always devoted to God, whether he missed the mark, whether he um, got what he wanted, he was always devoted to God through the good and the bad. Um, and he held on to his dreams and visions and, and he never wavered from that. Um, so my second point is that God can pivot your present. And Pastor Bron moved through this very quickly, but one of the key things that we get from this passage is that Jacob ran away from Esau after Esau threatened to kill him. Yeah, so he was in a transitional period, went to find his uncle Laban to go get a job. And coming out of Genesis 31, he goes away from his uncle Laban back into the promised land where God calls him back to at that time after wrestling with an angel. And so what uh, he's in these moments where God comes down at that time in Bethel and where he's wrestling with God, they're transitional times in his life so he's running away from something or he's running to something whatever way you want to put it both Um, but he he is met by God in those moments so I remember when I was uh, engaged 11 years ago and um, and we were in Bible study one night 
And, and God said, uh, through a, a trusted friend uh, who is a prophetess, um, said through her, you need to start Bible college now. And I knew that was a thing. I knew that God was moving me there, but I didn't know the timing. And then she said, God's telling me, you have to start now. And at that time, I didn't have a job, which was um, my little, uh, in, uh, little transitional time. And I thought, all right, I didn't have to pray about it. You know, it was given to me by God through, uh, through this faithful woman. And um, I enrolled then and there, got, got right into it, whilst we were early in, on in our engagement. Now, confession time, I didn't tell Phoebe that I was going to do that. She was there that night, um, she heard, but I didn't tell her throughout the process. That was my mistake. I've apologised. She's reminded me so many times. <laughs> but that was my transitional time where God came in and said, mate, this is it now. I ended up getting a job straight away because God said, all right, if you're, if you're going to hold on to this promise, Andrew, that you made to me when I called you to go into Bible college, now is the time that you are going to enrol. And then it was only then that I actually got um, good employment. At the time, I was between um, contracts. But anyway, God pivoted my present, and I, it was hard. It was a really hard time. And I started Bible college a couple of months before our wedding. Like, that was just dumb timing in my mind, but it made sense, and we got through. And lots of late nights, lots of early mornings, um, I ended up passing and getting my degree much later after studying very part-time. Um, but that was where we went. So God pivoted my present so that he could deliver on his promises for my future. And they're still unravelling and still unfolding and still coming to pass. And I hope they're going to be, be bigger and better than what he's already given me, which is already bigger and better than what I could fathom. So I'm believing that for my life because I have that track record. I'm believing that for your life as well as we speak the word of God this morning. So Genesis 28, 20 to 22 says, When fleeing from Esau, he vows at Bethel, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey, then he will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you one-tenth. He recognised that moment in his life. And even though he did the wrong thing and he ran away from God, he recognised that it was a God moment. And he, just like, he was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to give you one-tenth of everything that I own God. And you can see that blessing going through his life, and God just expounded on that throughout his life. No matter how he wavered, no matter where he wavered, he received God's blessing because he remained faithful to God in his heart. Um, if you're going to take one point away from this morning, my message anyway, you can take plenty out of Pastor Bronze, but have this one. God honours those that stay devoted to him and have faith in him. So that's not so. That's a, that's an action, and that's also a belief. The action is to stay devoted to Him. Read your Bible, come to church, pray, stay stay uh, out of a life of sin, but also have faith in Him. Have believe for the best, believe for the biggest, believe for the unbelievable, because that puts God in a place that is so amazing, and that just grows your faith so much. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
who earnestly seek him. Wherever you are at your life, God will pivot towards his promises. And Jacob never let go of that. From the moment he was birthed, he was holding his twin's leg and he wrestles with God and he has all these moments where he just still wants the blessing of God. That's not a selfish thing to ask for. That's the best thing to ask for. Amen. All right, Genesis 30, 27. God will bless you to be a blessing to others. But Laban said to him, and this is after Jacob has said, I'm going, Uncle Laban, see you later. If I've found favour in your eyes, Jacob, please stay. I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. So when you're living in the promise of God, when God gives, uh, gives you the blessing that steers you towards your future, people see that. People feel it. People want it. People want to be a part of that. People want whatever they can grab from you, good or bad. And so that might be your success, your wealth, your simple faith, your prayer life, your theological knowledge, whatever that might be that God has blessed you with. People see that. People feel that. People want to feed off that. And so that is a blessing that you can bestow on other people when you're living in the promises for your future. And God, God gives that in levels that he sees fit. So Jacob, you can look at him and think, he didn't deserve that. He's not the best bloke. Um, but he held on to the promise of God and he was faithful throughout all of that despite a few indiscretions and God continued to bless him so that he could bless others. And then he went back and he had a huge family and the lineage was that 38 generations later through his son Judah, Jesus Christ is born. The Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lion of Judah from the tribe of Judah, from Leah. Yeah, that relationship that he didn't love, his first wife that he was tricked into by his father-in-law, 38 generations later, God delivered on his promise that a son, the Messiah, will be born out of your lineage through a mistaken relationship, through a stuff-up, through a deceitful act from Laban where it was still consummated and God said, you know what, I'm bigger than that stuff up. I'm bigger than that circumstance. I can still deliver on my promise even though we've wavered. And you read all through the Old Testament, there's a lot more stuff ups through that 38 generations of lineage that people walked away from God, but God remained true. 38 generations later, a son is born. Yeah, a saviour is given. And so today, in 2022, in Tamworth, Australia, those promises still stand. The promises of blessing, the promises of prosperity, the promises of good health, the promises of faithfulness, of love, of kindness, of the Holy Spirit on your life is still true to this day. And so it's funny how Jacob's well, where he met Rachel was the place where Jesus, 38 generations later, later, met the Samaritan woman and later on said to her in one of the very few times where he admitted it, he said, I am he who you call Messiah. And so 38 generations later, in the same spot where Jacob was, where he met his wife, his future wife, God purposed that so that we could all learn that lesson. 
So what do you need from God this year? You can answer that. You may not be able to answer that, but what do you need from God this year where you think, you know what, I want to get out of that problem I want to, or I want to take on that opportunity or I want to sort out this habitual sin? Proverbs 3, 5, 3, 4 to 5 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That's the script for this year. That's, that's our action that we need to take. If we're going to pivot our present into the promises of God, if we're going to grab onto the blessing, the favour of God, we need to make a mark in the, in the ground, in the sand right now. That's the line in the sand where we say, you know what, God, I think I'm heading in the right direction, but can you steer me here? I think I'm doing the right thing, but can you give me some guidance? I think I'm doing everything that I need to, but can you tell me whether I need to do more or something different? Because I want what Jacob got. I want a life that Jacob had. He stuffed up so many times. He made mistakes that he knew about and that he didn't know about, but he still received the favour of the Lord. And so I believe that favour from God is something that we can grab and something we can hold and something we can be faithful with. Um, and that may be true in your life. It may not be true so far, but I believe that God can give that in spades if you are faithful, if you let love and faithfulness never leave you and if you write it into your heart. And so we're going to come into a time of prayer after announcements, but I'd like to just pray a a big prayer just to to finish off. And then um, we can have some of the team up here to pray for people, to pray for blessing, to pray for promises to come to pass, no matter how long you've been holding on to them. So, Father, I just thank you that this story is 4,500 years old, but it still stays true. And so we've had so many cultures pass, so many modes of thinking, so many paradigms pass, but this stuff hasn't changed. We don't think like these people thought but it doesn't change the promises that you've put on them and that carry out timelessly um, throughout eternity and so father i just pray for love and faithfulness to be something that we run with this year i pray for i pray against fear and guilt of the past that we've led or the present that we're trying to grapple with right now and i just ask lord that you will meet us in this room this morning your holy spirit speak to us right now show us where we need to move show show us how to move where we need to go and show us what we need to to shed from our being spiritually so that we can grab a hold of all that you have in store for us. And so I've just asked, Lord, that your spirit will minister to us this morning through fellowship and through prayer and just through quiet words of conviction um, that you speak to us this morning and throughout this week. Lord, I just pray that um, you'll help us to be faithful, that you'll help us to dream big, that you'll help us to want more, that you'll help us to be thankful for all the blessings and the promises you've already bestowed on us in our own lives and as a church as well, Lord. I pray for favour um, beyond what we deserve, but no more than what we can handle. And so, Father, I just pray that you'll help us to be faithful. And we pray this in your mighty name.
Again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new in exploring the faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There's always room to grow. It can all be done. Just need to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.